Brick, happy Thanksgiving. How are you? Happy Thanksgiving, boys. Good to hear you, Mark. Good to talk to you, Brick. Let's start with this offense, my friend. Is this just a case of a team that, when they're at their best, they have three lines going and the three lines are cranking? And right now, the the best you can say is they don't have that. It led to some offensive struggles on this team. It's a reflection of their roster, no question about it. Uh, when you don't have the skill set and the skill level uh, that can produce four or five goals or at least threaten to score four or five goals a night, this is what you're going to get. And you have to make some small adjustments or some maybe some major adjustments in the way you approach the game, the way you coach the game, uh, the way you game plan for your opponents in order to give yourself the best chance to win. They tried to do that against Montreal. They had to deal with the schedule issues there as well. They tried the same kind of uh, tactics against Pittsburgh. And, you know, one out of four points isn't great, but uh, you knew that that would be a tough stretch of, of two games. And They've done a pretty decent job in the absence of Dano Chara, but uh, he hasn't been the only challenge when you get a guy like David Krejci. Yeah, the Bruins like four lines, uh, but when you really look back, before Soderberg went to center, they relied on their top six, their top two lines, to do the bulk of the scoring. And when you don't have David Krejci on a regular basis, you're going to be affected in terms of offense. You know, I think the one the one line brick that they always try to count on is Bergeron, whoever's out there with him. Now, Brad Marchand returned, and... I thought it was interesting this morning, apparently in early, early skate, uh, David Pasternak was actually with those two guys. Now, he played limited time in his first game, but do you expect to see that, and do you like that idea? Um, yeah, I'd like to see more of the kid, no doubt about it. Uh, what did he play, about eight minutes, I yeah. guess, the other night? He got some time uh, in the third period. Claude tried to, you know, play a little hunch or, uh, you know, put him in a situation. I know he caught the tail end of that four-on-three in the third period. Got a good shift with Marchand and uh, Bergeron. Made a great play to Marchand, actually. Just missed uh, with the go-ahead goal at that time. So, yeah, he gave me enough loot to say, yeah, I want to see this guy again. And uh, I think he has the offensive creativity that if you play him with a responsible sentiment that can play all three zones, uh, it lends itself to thinking, yeah, maybe we maybe we try him with Bergeron and see what happens. You know, you know, Coach was talking about, Colo Julian was talking about getting bodies around the net, right, and trying to be more physical, getting those dirty goals. But, you know, they, they, they were, it seemed like they were doing that against the Penguins, but they had some uh, some disallowed goals. I mean, have you been seeing them trying to be more aggressive lately? Well, I saw in Columbus that the Blue Jackets were far better at getting to the front of the net than the Bruins were, and that trend continued against Montreal. And when you're struggling to score goals, then it becomes a major point of emphasis. And they were much better at it, uh, even though a guy like Riley Smith takes a penalty, which was an atrocious call, by the way. Uh, and then they have the two disallowed goals, and that can be really frustrating, not only from a coaching perspective, but for the players, too, because you feel like you're not being rewarded for getting to those dirty areas. And I was glad we got a solid and complete explanation on the no goal for Bergeron, because the call on the ice was a goal, and I'm sure you guys saw that the referees got together, and then the actual call on the ice was no goal, because the one referee got outruled by the other three, it was ironic that the guy that called the goal had the best view of the play. But that being said, I thought they got the second one wrong. So it can get a little frustrating for the guys that are getting to the front of the net because uh, it might not be that war zone that it was maybe 20 years ago, uh, but it's still a nasty place to be, and you want to be rewarded when you actually put pucks in the net. You know, Brick, you mentioned David Krejci, and with Claude coming out saying they may have taken a step backwards. Um, I like the move of Lucic down with the Swedes because it's like – you can't leave this guy on an island, right? You got to get him going. And like you said, three or four lines rolling. So maybe you got to at least get one. You got to get this guy going a little bit. Yeah, Core tried to, uh, you know, double shift Milan Lucic in previous games and get him with some different combinations and uh, not leave him stagnant on one line. There was 
very short on experience and, and creativity in terms of, uh, you know, relative to a guy like David Krejci, let's say, or any of the other right wings, or a Gindler and a Horton over the last several years. So, yeah, it seemed like it was just a natural progression to get him on that left side with Soderberg and see what that looked like. And it looked pretty good. So I think the expectation is to keep him there because, yeah, he's a big part of it. I mean, he can't be a guy that goes eight, ten games with just one or two points. He has to be more productive than that. Uh, you know, along with the physical presence and the, and the established forecheck and, and everything else that he brings to the lineup. If if he's a non-factor, you really lessen your chances of winning. Ness and Zandy Brickley joining us, Bruins and Winnipeg Jets, on the day after Thanksgiving this Friday. Uh, National hockey columnist Greg Wyshynski you know, writes at Yahoo, uh, Brick, and he wrote about Milan Lucic this week. And I'm going to uh, synopsis, uh, uh, break it down for you very succinctly. Basically, in his opinion, and the opinion of people around the league, Lucic is once a tough guy, and in November of 2014, this year, he's a whiner. He's a complainer. He's a cheap shot artist, greeting from Greg's story. A guy who can't beat you, so he threatens to murder you, then follows through with his uh, uh, vengeances at the most inopportune and detrimental times. And perhaps most frustratingly for Bruins fans, a guy on pace for 11 goals this year and ends it with uh, a line at the end, there's a respect gap for Lucic, and it's widening across the NHL. Uh, do you think that's a fair assessment of Milan Lucic's current game here in 2014? Not the same tough guy he was and now takes more cheap shots than he used to. Yeah, well, I'd like to attack that opinion uh, piece by piece. But, sure. uh Let me just say, first of all, big picture, this is coming from somebody from a distance, not somebody that's uh, here on a daily basis, game-by-game basis. And when you play the Montreal Canadiens and you have some immature moments like Milan has had, you know, the handshake line, the gesture, the, you know, uh, uh, the obscene gesture this year up there in response to the attention that he was getting. Uh, and if you don't fight on a regular basis, you're not going to be as sharp. I mean, those are all very easy things to point at and form an opinion that I don't think is all that accurate. Uh, I think Milan Lucic is still growing as a player and as a person. I think he has some, some moments where he needs to mature in certain areas. Uh, but I think if you pull the National Hockey League and all those opinions that come with it, most teams in this league would love to have Milan Lucic on their team. And, of course, they're going to point to salary. And, of course, they're going to point to black of production. But uh, this is a guy that can still be a dominant force. He's still not even in the prime of his NHL career that can still con- continue to grow and be, and be the, the force that uh, we've seen in the past and even on a more consistent basis. So, I'll take issue with that opinion only because I don't think it's it's one that's uh, coming from somebody that's fully informed and that's not there on a daily basis. Brick, what was your take at the end of regulation? Or I should say the end of overtime out there, you know, against Columbus with Dalton Prout and Luch. Yeah, see, I didn't think uh, I, I I thought they were coming together that they were engaged. Prout had his gloves off, and Luch was a little reluctant to get his off. Uh, and and I didn't think that it was a sucker punch, but then when you talked to Lucic, who's involved in the altercation, and he was telling him, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go with you in this situation. It's not the right time. It's not the, And then you get hit. So that kind of changed my opinion from what I thought I saw uh, real time to what I understood post-game. So, um, you know, it's just, again, it's frustration on Lucic's part, um, a guy that wants to be physical. It was an overtime session where the Bruins – had battled back in the third period, take the lead, gave it up, and then should have won the game in OT. So I'm sure there's a tremendous amount of, uh, of frustration there from Luch. And they do have a little history, those two guys. Mm-hmm. 
Brick, great stuff as always. Look forward to the upcoming schedule for the Bruins starting on Friday. Hope you and yours have a great Thanksgiving. We'll see you at the Garden soon. Happy Thanksgiving, boys. Uh, Andy Brickley of Nesson, the great Andy Brickley, joining us here on WEEI and as always brought to you by Shaw's Supermarkets, the Wyshynski articles at Puck Daddy.